have a few bits. You have so Okay, you know what bit this. you know what bit I'll sing about today? What's uh up? you know, how fast can you put on your hat? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have a video. We should share we should share that video if we mm-hmm. can uncover it. But mm-hmm. yeah, just like try and put on put go from holding your hat in your hands you know, like at waist level to putting it on your head. How fast can you do that? I remember that. And you can do it remarkably fast if you really try and you practice at it. But practice. You can also get injured. You guys (laughs) just like put so much force through your body. Like you were just trying to move your body with as much power as possible. So rarely did it actually work because you're so focused (laughs) on just like pushing it, you know? Well, the technique is you want to flip, you want to flip or flap the the, the hat (laughs) right onto your head into such a way that it just like instantly attaches to your gourd. And then like, (laughs) that's what it is. So it's like a slapping motion. You're trying to slap the top of your head with the hat as fast as possible. But with such, with such a grace that it just kind of flops into place. What sucks is when you get the hats (laughs) with the metal, metal thing on the back. That's where you would get injured. Ouchie. Yeah. Yeah, You just like flip and it hits the, like the back part of your spine or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, just, ooh. Yeah. But you know, that was a good bit. I don't it know if that's a bit. bit. I don't know if that's what you call it, but I think I have a lot. Of, I think I actually have videos of you guys doing that. I hope so, because uh, like it's honestly, when you see it, when when I saw someone else do it, finally, I was like, wow. <laughs> I can do <laughs> this for that's hours. That's entertainment, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, there's 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 more stuff to be uncovered. There, we'll revisit <laughs> that in the future. That meme meme bit whatever yeah um does this so sound good the earth yeah i feel okay. like the earth is playing a bit on my nostrils mm. oh yeah man you need to like get some hot water some steam up in there yeah or I like think. some campfire smoke yeah <laughs> i feel like that <laughs> that really help. clears you out <laughs> i need to get one of those nostril things the pot that the, the fucking what are they called? Nessie pot the old man yeah that's not natural man is no, it, it is i don't it like that listen that stuff it works it i'm works. not that's saying what, it doesn't I, work i want to know i want to know if it's legit or not that's kind of what i like is it good, healthy for me god <laughs> didn't want us to have that kind of <laughs> that kind of control over our nostrils you know <laughs> god didn't want us to assert our 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 dominance human on our dominance nostrils? yeah on that part of nature he cut that off from us for a reason. But don't we use our nostrils wrong or whatever anyways? Well, uh, we don't breathe out of our nose. Or like a, a big portion of people don't do that. And, and we're supposed to, right? Because I remember I, I listened to that po- that episode actually you guys did the other day. See, and that's I was like, oh. oh. That's what sucks about the allergies, though, is it can prohibit me from breathing out of my nose. So then I'm yeah. thinking about that, and I'm like, well. Yeah. Then you're a mouth breather. I really wish I could. I'm an involuntary mouth breather. This is bullshit. Oh, yeah. Involuntary mouth breather. No, that's that's where I was when I was sick last. Like, And it's hardest when you're going to sleep, mm-hmm. and there's just yeah. no breath coming through your nose. Because for me, I'm constantly thinking about my breathing and or trying to and just breathing through my nose like really deep and so when i can't do it it just makes me kind of panic yeah Mm -hmm. but it's like a fake panic because it's like oh i can actually breathe my lungs are still filling up all that but anyway the the like scientific argument which maybe some people would disagree with you know like i don't understand it from first principles but it's basically that 
the nose is designed to like filter yeah. the oxygen and that actually you receive more oxygen through breathing through your nose. Mm-hmm. Like it goes straight into your lungs in, in such a way that's more instant and, and filtered. And, and it's just the mouth is more of a backup means like as well as eating. Yeah. But, and I, I don't know. And it, it kind of makes sense. I just like, I've always heard if something, if there's science behind something and it's kind of old and timeless, I feel like that's one for me. It's like, uh, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to probably do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's just like good. Cause just breathing through your nose is such a classic kind of timeless or, or mouth breathing. So that idea is medical cocaine. Medical cocaine. <laughs> that's timeless. true. It's um, well, <laughs> that's true. Well, yeah, no, but, but I don't know, like the cocaine leaves or yeah, whatever, no, I'm but sure in, in, in the way that we cow. process just... it, you would argue that if it's like super condensed, mm-hmm. like 10 X times condensed from what it would be in the leaf. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that's a lot different, but if you're just getting coca leaves and you're just packing those bad boys in your gums, see, or I've always wanted to try <laughs> yeah. that. I've I've always wanted. I've like I wouldn't try coke, but I would try the I would try eating the coca leaf. I feel like that would almost be more that. intense. I don't. Do you even? Is I that feel, what you do? I eat it or it pack be, it in your gums? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that when they're harvesting with real coca. Oh. Yeah, like the leaf, like the plant. Oh, they'll yeah. just eat and chew coca on leaves. it, and then. I feel I've heard that it is similar to coffee, like really, really strong coffee. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to something like that. <laughs> personally, yeah. Well, that's like uh, we were talking about ibogaine, or no, not ibogaine. What is that plant we were talking about last um, week? That's like you can make a drink out of it. It's really bitter, and it's like a replacement kratom? for kratom. Yeah, that's oh, it. isn't that the drug that makes like your body rot off? No, that's crocodile. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Okay. Kratom, Kratom, crocodile like plant matter. Crocodile is a crocodile. Wait, Kratom is what they saw. Like that sounds like a brand of pickles. Okay, there's still like a lot of controversy around uh, Kratom. I thought it was Kratom. I think it's I, it's <laughs> it's probably Kratom. It's probably both. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I. It, what's weird about it is in large doses, it's a opioid kind yeah. of and then in small doses it's a stimulant that's so crazy but crocodile is a bunch of cleaning products mixed together with like gasoline and a bunch of other oh shit oh my god and apparently you do it once you're addicted but it sucks that's or something like that yeah. i don't get that i don't really get that i'm okay. too much i feel like i'm too much of a heathen sometimes i like things that taste good and feel good so i feel like if i would do a drug that was addictive but it sucked i'd be like I'm good, man. <laughs> yeah. But I've also never been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me either. Oh, okay, wait. Uh, on chewing coca leaves, uh, the centuries-old tradition of chewing coca leaves has absolutely nothing to do with cocaine. and their natural form, coca leaves provide nothing more than a mild stimulant akin to coffee. Brewing the leaves into tea is popular among all levels of Bolivian society. Among the working class, and especially those whose labor is physically demanding, coca is usually chewed. While chewing is a popular term, blah, 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 you basically line it in your mouth, generating a saliva So it's ball. like dip. Yeah, yeah you, di- you just thinking. dip it. I would like that. I, w- I would do that, but I would prefer that over uh, Grinding tobacco. it up and snorting Yeah, like nicotine. Yeah. Because yeah. like kind of, yeah, what like is nicotine. the difference, honestly? I mean, yeah. it's a plant, you know. A nicotine can be stimulating for people. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And see, that's the type of stuff that it's like, 
yeah, I would do that in a second mm-hmm. without thinking about it. Because yeah. like the plant, I don't know, the plant form of it, like it's old, it's old as time, the way that people yeah. have used it. Just you're working out in the field, eat a couple of leaves, and then <laughs> you don't have to drink coffee. It doesn't like dehydrate you, you know? Like you can just drink water and eat coca leaves. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like it probably crazy. is like it's, I mean, it's just the same concept as like any other stimulant. Like, I mean, coffee or tea because tea, I mean, there's so many different types of tea. It's and you can common. do that with tea too. Yeah. You can, you can just munch on dip the, it. Munch yeah. on the leaves. Well, that kratom is so, imagine how bitter tea can be mm-hmm. yeah. times 10. That's what kratom is like. Yeah. It's oh, have you tried it? Nasty. Yeah. Okay. I've tried kratom too. Really? What was your you can, experience? You can like? get it pretty commonly. I mean, it's not really an experience. It's just kind of like it really a, isn't a yeah. stimulant. People, okay. well, people will use it to get off of like pills. Okay. Or uh, opi- um, op- opiates. Yeah. Or maybe to get off any kind of pill, I guess. Yeah. Because it could be a stimulant, or it could be an yeah an opioid. Because I've heard, I I think I started researching it a while back. I actually forgot, but um. For it's like, I think it has pain management benefits, mm-hmm. but that yeah. it's kind of, I don't know, risky, like, you know, most opioid kind of related. Yeah, I don't know what the after effects are. Of yeah. it. I've only used it a handful of times and it was because someone was like, hey, do you want this Kratom? And I'm yeah. Like, I, sure, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. <laughs> I knew a guy though that would parachute it though and that shit was just gross. Wait, what does that like, mean? Like he would hmm. literally like. You put it in the toilet paper. He would put a shit ton, like a baby's fist amount of kratom and toilet paper in, and then just like. You just drop it in the back of your throat and then like swallow, like. Swallow. Water. Yeah. yeah. What? But it's like, <laughs> actually, what you do is a. What? That's you, called a parachute? Yeah. 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 Well, you like peel apart the toilet paper so you get like, I swear, the thinnest ju- Right layer. when I think I know the streets. I mean, I used to, honestly, I used to do that, um, not with kratom, but with other things when I was younger and doing drugs. Yeah. Like, what? A lot of because like, it hits you more instantly. Yeah, it's faster because you you like crush like if you do it with pills, pills you like crush stuff. up pills and then you put it in there and then it just goes down fast and you don't have to like oh, sort you it. Like you don't have to like parachute it down. And you're like oh go down little and trooper. You're like a, you're <laughs> like a no trooper on it. <laughs> kind of like yeah. a deep sea bird and you're just like yeah. <laughs> like a seagull or a whatever. <laughs> See, I, I yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, I'll still try. I'll try anything. Yeah, I mean it's probably better in a tea, so. Yeah. Also, it just seems like a lot. I don't know <laughs> yeah. to try to like. I don't know. I mean, the effects were probably really, really good doing it that way, but that's too much work for me. Yeah. To get that's that effect. just too. I'd rather I'm gonna smoke weed. That's yeah. too degenerate <laughs> for me. Like too. Maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe that's a bad word to say. No, I don't care. No, it's a little degenerate. That like if I was doing that, I might feel like. Eh. There's well, at least at this you're, age, I'm at that point, at that adding point, another step to the process, so it feels more like you're doing something bad. I think at that point, I, yeah. you should just get a pill press and just press them into a bunch of pills and eat like five of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you're like, yeah. Anyways, yeah, I mean, we yeah. could talk so, about this for a long <laughs> yeah, time. <laughs> uh, we'll 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 talk about drugs plenty more. I can talk about episodes. drugs. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have you on to talk talk yeah. about drugs. But today. We want to talk to you less about drugs and more about dead stuff. That sounds good. That dead works. Things, <laughs> dead animals. It's more relevant currently. Yeah. Um, so, Michaela, welcome on to the podcast. Thank Hello. you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, 
you basically do work and are obsessed with the oddities space. What yes. is what does that even mean? What are the oddities space and is it new? Um, you mean like the like kind of the oddities culture and like community? Yeah. Or do you mean like my well, personal space? I, I guess I've only heard that term from you at all. Yeah. Oddity. Like me, how I would have described it before is like boutique niche or b- boutique dark items or boutique handmade crafted olden items. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's, there's not a good definition. So oddities, that kind of seems like uh, odd n- knickknacks. Yeah. It is odd knickknacks. Bro- it's kind yeah. of a term that I feel like can be pretty confusing actually. Um, yeah. Because like oddities can be basically anything that's just something that's not, quite normal quote-unquote or it's just something that's kind of you don't see all the time right which is a lot of things you know like i don't i've been looking at this thing over here wondering what that is for a minute it's a walking stick oh okay (laughs) 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 well it has it's shiny you know it's shiny wood it's a a shiny stick in my room well you've got like (laughs) instruments over here too so it's like it could have been i don't know if you were doing some experimental shit here or something you know i'm doing experimental (laughs) shit in here sometimes yeah Um, but yeah, no, so oddity is really, you know, the oddities community that I'm involved in, um, and kind of a part of is really based around like taxidermy and bones, um, you know, mummification, wet specimens, like a lot of it is the preserved remains of dead animals. Um, a lot of people, well, they're, yeah. A lot There's of peop- controversy around that. There is controversy, yeah, for sure. And um, not to me. Well, yeah, no, it's kind of. Me. I think more people though in the oddities community, which is something that I don't think is really widely known, and is part of why whenever people who aren't familiar with the culture look at it from an outside perspective, they assume that like I'm killing the animals that I work with, mm-hmm. which is absolutely not true. Um, mm-hmm. And I also don't condone that. Um, and that's how it is for most people that I've connected with. Most people that I have connected with don't kill their animals. They don't believe in that. And it's actually the opposite, you know, like they usually care very much about animals. Abs- yeah, exactly. Like we're interested in biology. We're interested in the preservation and like learning from the animals, even in like a state in which they are seized, you know, is there a history of people like past oddity sellers that would kill animals just to like have yeah really well taxidermy because taxidermy is such a huge part of the oddities world Mm -hmm. yeah i mean but that was almost like combined with already with hunting well yeah Yeah, i guess i guess i meant like yeah different than hunting like i'm meaning like basically they would just kill them sole purpose to have something to taxidermy it wouldn't be like Someone killing it for food, I guess. Yeah. And then also making a taxidermy. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually... I just didn't know if there was, like, maybe someone in mm -hmm. history that was, like, notoriously, like... Yeah, there is. Really? There's a gentleman... Yeah, there's a guy... um, I think he was from the... I mean, it would have had to have been, like, really early 1900s, maybe 18... Like, late 1800s. I don't remember his name... But I could probably find his work if I did some research. Um, but he was actually somebody that kind of initiated that controversy because he's he was specifically going and hunting animals like in Africa and whatnot, mm. like elephants and giraffes yeah. and like really big, beautiful animals simply for like his art. Mm. Uh, he was doing 
he had like this really big um art installation concept basically and he wanted to just just display mm-hmm. taxidermy mm-hmm. um and yeah so it i think that's really when it started i don't know as far as the research that i've done or the information that i've learned um he's somebody that's been notable to me um but yeah i mean some of the people in the oddities world definitely do hunt you know mm-hmm. and um a lot of times I don't know. I feel like it's more those people are suppliers Mm -hmm. for materials more than they are actually creating art or having a store that's, you know, like mine. They, they more so are just like, I know that there's a market for this. Right. Um, Another way to make money. Yeah. And you kind of have to be careful, like depending on your ethics and what your, I don't know. Yeah. Like for me, I really try as much as I can to use, materials that I know were ethically or like sustainably sourced at the very least. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really important to me because I don't think that it doesn't make sense to be killing the animals just for the art. Like that's horrible. I mean, well, and you've acted more as, and I've seen this, like you're more just scavenging Mm -hmm. remains that already exist and trying Mm -hmm. to make art out of them. So you're basically looking for, you know, already dead animals Mm -hmm. and just recovering you know what's What's there that would literally just turn into dust yeah otherwise so it's like yeah it's not it's just one of those things it's a little bit too nuanced for Mm -hmm. people they're like oh animals that are not alive yeah bad right and and they just can't like you can't quite look at it with a little more nuance Mm -hmm. and so yeah people are freaked out by it it's kind of it blows my mind because i'm i think because i'm so into this culture now that I mean, like whenever we went to set up our booth at room three, there was a lady that walked by who was so freaked. Like she was like taxidermy. Did you say taxidermy? And just because I like said the word, she was freaked out by it. And she (laughs) didn't want to like walk past our booth because she is so disturbed by death. Yeah, I guess so. And it's like, <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's really, because there is a lot of like psychological Yeah, I mean, aspects. everyone here is scared of death, so. I know. It, it makes, it would make sense that oddities are like, people are like, oh, I don't even want to think about dead things because I don't want to think about dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like the people who are in the oddities community were kind of more of this, this breed of people who understand that it's inevitable, mm-hmm. but we still appreciate like what we have now you know Mm -hmm. and um i don't know just yeah we're not obsessing over the reality that like death is gonna come you know well the in fact we've got the book right there on the bookshelf the denial of death uh (laughs) (laughs) like that it's there there that book kind of talks about the idea that the denial of death is actually a very deep subconscious aspect Mm -hmm. in our psychology um, that has a lot to do with how we act, but also a lot to do with like why we suffer and why we make certain decisions. Yeah. And the book more just encourages, yeah, people to uh, like become accepting of their death and, Mm -hmm. and talks about how past cultures had rituals or practices or Mm -hmm. stories that, would have people be familiar with their the idea of their own mortality. Yes. And, and and kind of speaking of that, I was I was digging around for like early examples of, of taxidermy and stuff yeah. like that. And I found this uh, as documented in Frederick H. Hitchcock's 
19th century manual practical taxidermy. So the earliest known taxidermists were the ancient Egyptians. Mm. And despite the fact that they never removed the skins from animals as a whole, it was the Egyptians who developed one of the world's earliest forms of animal preservation through the use of injections of spices, oils, and other embalming tools. It's like mummification is actually what it is. It would be categorized as mummification. Mummification. Okay. Mm As early as 2200 BC, they embalmed the bodies of dogs, cats, monkeys, birds, sheep, oxen, Whoa. and other pets of Egyptian royalty and buried them in the pharaoh's tomb. Mm-hmm. So it's, they were just like setting up like, here's the, here's the pharaoh, here's all of his pet homies. Mm-hmm. They're all like, the, the yeah. pharaoh's wrapped up to go. They're all embalmed. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, and <laughs> it's pretty crazy. That's, that's funny. But it's cool because, and it's like, it's their way of like respecting the dead, you know, mm. and like maintaining, I don't know. It, it's, it's Making a memorial. some kind of art and meaning out of it. Yeah. Mm. And it's physical that lasts just beyond I think that memory. people are so uncomfortable mm-hmm. with death in their life. So that their, their go-to is like, okay, you know, like we're going to mourn and grieve and then we're going to forget about it. Like we're going to get, we're going to try to forget that this ever happened, that this person ever existed because it's too painful to, to address that, you know, and to think about the reality of it. So whenever you are like kind of almost, you're setting it up to where you're actually, you know, thinking about it more frequently and you're remembering that this person was something was living at one time and it was meaningful and it was an actually like a good thing. Um, and I don't know, you know what I mean? Like I feel like the preservation and like the proper memorial and stuff really mm-hmm. helps you be more honest. And it's kind of like in a way like exposure therapy, even mm-hmm. though it's, it just, I think that your perspective and your um, own personal experience really changes how you feel about the entire topic as a whole, you know, yeah. like how you approach death. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say on the topic of this book though, um, there is a mortician called, her name is Caitlin Daughtry. She's awesome. She has a YouTube channel called ask a Mortor- ask a mortician. Um, and she actually has a book hmm. called the good death. And, um, it's, I mean, she's just amazing and very much along the same lines where she's trying to encourage healthy conversations about death. Um, mm. And also she's she contributes to a lot of research of different types of um, like burials and stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. she's really wants to push the water burial kind of stuff. And um, wait, what's water burial? So water burial, um, it's some, or it's, I don't know if that's actually what it's called, but it's basically a process in which you use water to decay, help your body decay essentially. Mm. Um, and I think it's a more eco-friendly, um, Hmm. yeah, it's like, it's more eco-friendly. And so it, because actually like, you know, a lot of people um, get cremated, but it's mm-hmm. really terrible for the environment. It releases more toxins into the environment than I think even cows do, which is kind of crazy because that was like, you know, their gases we yeah. learned were a huge impact on our environment. Um, but cremation is so much worse because, I mean, you're just burning yeah. bone and like, you know, bodies and it's a constant thing. People are you constantly probably dying. honestly do more for the environment if you were just your body was thrown into like an actual loose grave and not even in a coffin. (laughs) If you just like let the body decay under the ground, Mm -hmm. it'd probably do way more. Exactly. For the earth. 
Yeah, and so she's trying to... It's also weird to think there's sky burial... You can be cremated. It's a fire burial. You could be water burial. Yeah, you can you can be turned into a tree. <laughs> All the different elements. Yeah, burial. <laughs> yeah, what I'm seeing here is like some company that mixes your remains with cement and pours the mixture into a form, resulting into <laughs> like a, a statue or a structure. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a haunted uh, ass statue yeah, right man. there. There are companies who will take like your. Um, like cremated remains too and, and make a, vari- a variety of different things, which a lot of people in the oddities, the world do that too. Um, Press between a record. That'd be kind of cool. Your I know somebody, yeah. Or somebody linked me to a website that was like, you got your, um, the cremated ma- remains would be made into like jewels mm, and cool. you could use them for jewelry, that'd be like cool. crystals and stuff. I don't remember what the process is, but it was really interesting. Do you have a favorite uh, historical culture that used any type of mummification or like taxidermy or embalming? I mean, I feel like the Egyptian culture is probably the most um, notable and respectable, honestly, just because they I feel like we're so intentional Mm -hmm. um, and so thoughtful and... um, yeah, I mean, I've never really thought about it, honestly, or done a lot of research. On the different, like, what yeah. different people did for that? I, mean, I haven't either. I mean, I, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I think, like, in Europe and um, just in other parts of the world, who their countries are much older than America, and they've just got a lot more history than us, and uh, they have, like, a lot of ossuaries mm. um, and a lot of, like, crypts where they would, oh, you know, yeah. like, essentially pile up dead mm-hmm. bodies i think that that's really fascinating at the very least and mm-hmm. um like going to the sedlik ossuary in the czech republic or uh kutnahora was one of the craziest things that i've ever seen um which is they also call it the bone chapel or the bone church mm. um and i mean there were literally just human bones made into chandeliers and yeah they just uh, constructed the whole building yeah with, like human bones yeah. Was it after the plague or something, or was it just like... I don't remember. They just saved. Honestly. Up, <laughs> like a human bank, essentially. Yeah. A bone bank. <laughs> That's It's such a strange... Something about it, like, I'm even thinking about this right now. It's tickling some part of me that's like, oh, this is, this is weird. Like, what if that was my bones? Yeah. I was just part of a chandelier. Is that... <laughs> is that like some kind of hell? Is that some kind of purgatory? Yeah. That you're made into... <laughs> into an object of amusement when you were once a person? Or is that actually an honorable thing because your remains, which are just nothing, it's just material, it's being used to make art? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. It kind of dances between, like, horrifying, but, like, beautiful and inspiring. I love it, yeah. The year's, yeah, no. <laughs> the year's 3,000. All, all minerals and all mining, uh, all metals cannot be used anymore. All the buildings are human bones. Oh, my God. Are bones, bone buildings. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing, honestly. I mean, at least it's like there's a purpose for it, you know, like why would we why are we just leaving things to rot when we can or, you know, like like we were saying, people have these like traditional burials and they're put into um, caskets and their bodies. I mean, embalming only lasts for so long. You know what I mean? Like you you a lot of times you have to continuously 
reinforce that. Mm-hmm. Like you have to keep up whenever you preserve something that's dead. You have to keep up with that thing, especially if it's, you know, a full sized body, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. smaller taxidermy or mummification. You don't always have to worry about it, but life keeps moving. And, um, I mean, there's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like a living matter, you know, it's mm-hmm. organisms and stuff. And so it inevitably will break down. And so it's just like a body of mush and a, like in a box mm-hmm. <laughs> under the ground, you know, for no reason, like it's just there. Yeah. And it's like, because people want a place to go bury the, or to visit their, yeah. you know, their lost loved yeah. ones, which makes so much sense. And, and I'm not trying to hate on it by any means. Um, but I just think that there are so many more intentional, thoughtful, and yeah. um, even like personalized ways that we could be burying the ones that we love and yeah. and making it to where they have the opportunity to give back to the cycle of life, you know, because mm-hmm. like we were saying too, if we were to just bury people in the dirt, then our nutrients would be taken from our body and given to the earth so mm-hmm. that more life could continue, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And something about jumping back a little bit, just like mm-hmm. the burial process, the like how we do it here, you're almost cut off from seeing the body. You're cut off in yeah. every way. Like someone takes care of it. It's it's almost always a closed coffin. Um, or if it is an open coffin, like people don't want to look. People want to avoid it. And then we put them in the ground in the mm-hmm. end. We put them away and it's kind of like, I don't know. There's something. There's something maybe that's like a little bit inconsiderate about that. Yeah. Or, I I don't know. But, you know, bones are beautiful creation. Like we still can't make bones. Like mm-hmm. we can three D print plastic. Right. Or you know other similar materials that Synthetic. can take the place of bones. Like we can print parts and put them inside of people, and that's amazing and all yeah. that. But still, we don't have the ability to create, you know, like this, the shape and the complexity of bones. Mm-hmm. And so there is something about like, Hey, are we just going to throw this away and let it disintegrate underground? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the same way with organs too, you know, like we are trying to replicate organs, but we still yeah. really haven't been successful. Like we have organ transplants, you know, which mm-hmm. sometimes are successful, but it's taking one real life organ and, you know, putting it into another body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, right here, what I see at the top of your page is uh, some kind of, and I'm on your Instagram right now, <laughs> some kind of organ in a jar. What is it? A rabbit? Oh, uh, are you talking about a the... A coyote. Yeah, coyote heart and um, a fox heart wet specimen. Wet that's specimen, are. that's what they call it. Yeah. So, so wet specimen in a jar. is a organ or a little creature in... Like in like a fluid, yeah, in a jar, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's base. It's a very similar process to embalming. Okay. Um, it uses like I use a basically it's a diluted form of formaldehyde okay. to preserve the tissue, um, and then and it takes you know you have to in, in directly inject the organ or whatever mm. you're working with. Um, and then you also have to submerge it for uh, several weeks, depending on how large the specimen is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you do like a rinse bath and everything. And then um, you preserve it in alcohol, basically. Okay. Um, and, and some people, there are some other more natural methods I've heard about people exploring. Um, but that's pretty much the most traditional 
process for wet specimens is it's injected with 10% buffered formalin, which comes from formaldehyde. Okay. Um, but yeah. And like I, when I discovered wet specimen preservation, I was like, I was just amazed because I'm such a nerd, honestly. And I, well, it's like seeing what you're not supposed to see. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's so fascinating to me just existence honestly and biology and the fact that we're just here living you know and it's like if you take apart something a a body of something that was once living you see all of the tiny parts of it that you know that are the reason it it was alive in the first place like the heart you wouldn't be able to live without a heart you know Mm -hmm. and it's just this tiny little squishy kind of firm thing with a bunch of you know tubes and and like veins running through it mm-hmm. and that's what sustains your life like that's pretty incredible um and i definitely when i first started like dissecting animals and stuff i remember um i did like a, a really tiny bird and i dissected the heart out of that and it just like blew my mind like it made me so emotional because i was like it, it just i feel in awe thinking about that tiny little thing being what keeps that bird's life going or it was, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's something so out of our control. Like we don't, we don't contribute to the creation of how that works. You know, it's something so much bigger than us. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that there's so much to appreciate and admire and to study and to just, that's kind of that's my perspective is really just like the appreciation for life and the respect for life and which is much bigger than I am and something that I still can't even fathom. And I I don't even know where it actually came from. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of the same thing, same way that nature makes me feel, which it is nature. Um, But this part of nature can interact with me or it could at one time, you know, Mm -hmm. But is, yeah, is there like a uh, do you have a wet specimen like a wish list that you haven't gotten yet of like Ooh. animals or whale heart? Body fo- yeah, like is it there put one in like a dunk tank? <laughs> yeah, <Wow. laughs> like, I mean, honestly, or is that something you've even never thought of? Well, I definitely would love to have like a fetal goat or mm. some kind of. Yeah, like full bodies. I don't mm-hmm. have... Like a fetus of something? Yeah, or yeah, I really love... Some people will do like the placenta mm. with and the babies. Like if it's... Um, if the animal... Yeah, like if the mama had like... If there, if there was a pregnant female animal, um, when they dissect it, a lot of times they'll find like mm-hmm. the placenta and the little sacks with babies in them and people will preserve those. Wow. I would love to have a really big one of, of some kind of animal. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, just like I, I really thought about a little goat. Um, I don't think I have any full body wet specimens other than my fish, to be mm. honest. Um, Wait, is that just because he's wet? Because he's a fishy? No, he's <laughs> no. I made him a wet specimen when he passed yeah, away. Yeah, he's a wet. He's a real wet specimen, <laughs> Mister Fishy. <laughs> he's wet his whole life. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it was. That's the first time I preserved anything that was my pet. Um, Whoa. You dang. didn't you didn't flush him? No. <laughs> I th- uh, okay. No, a wet I mean I never in life a wet specimen in death. <laughs> <Yeah>. Throw it <laughs> in the toilet. <laughs> but yeah, I think just 
if I had to, I mean, or like a horse, like a little baby horse, I would Whoa. love to have that'd that be as a wet big specimen. jar. Yeah, exactly. Like, a, what do you put that like in? A globe. In that, you have to like special order. Like a big ass glass barrel, essentially. Yeah, I think so. Something? I there's a girl that I follow who actually did um, a horse the other day, and she ordered this big glass. Basically, it was like wow. um, like yeah, a, a barrel superhero, kind of like villain, fucking little glass yeah. thing full of. Well, That's they're not crazy. that big, though. Oh, okay. Like you, I mean. Oh, it like kind of gets bunched in, almost well, like, like it press, it like could a press newborn. It. Well, okay, so if it's like a newborn horse, it's. I mean, it's. I guess it's not that big. Yeah, yeah like they I'm grow fast, it, yeah, and then true. they are like you know in, in like cradle position. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it oh, also was like true. Um, a fetal baby, then it would mm. be smaller too. Gotcha. So see all, all of your stuff. And like wet specimens and the taxidermy. This is like what you would find if you stumbled into the necromancer's hideout in Skyrim or something like that. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> what would their dark like necromancer lab look like? Like what types of thing? Weird, you know, weird orbs and mirrors and like mm-hmm. wet specimens and, and dead animals and yeah. And that's basically all that stuff that you're collecting and like making. <laughs> it's so funny. I think at the last pop up that we went to, we didn't do, but it was at room three or whatever. Somebody, this girl like came up to me and Vincent and was like, Oh, I figured out what to call your style. And she was like, Western or cowboy necromancer. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> That's pretty good. Cowboy necro. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's I mean, there's worse. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty accurate, I think. No, definitely. Yeah, people think I'm super creepy. It's weird because I don't feel creepy. Honestly, I uh, feel the opposite. I'm no, I'm known you long enough, so I don't yeah. think you're creepy. But Thanks. you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe from the outside. But no, not really. It's just, it's interesting. Like, I really do just, think it's just people's like, uh, they're scared of death, I and mean, that really could be it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and it's misunderstood. I, feel I like mean, most other countries, the people there, well, if they saw that, they would either be interested or they'd keep walking. Mm-hmm. And, and they'd people, just be like, oh, there's someone mm-hmm. selling dead things. Yeah, like, regular McDonald's eating Americans, they don't <laughs> find they're not quite subtle enough to enjoy the art experience yeah, of seeing like taxidermy like, or wet specimen. They're just like, ooh, oh, dead thing. I, I gotta like, say oh. something. Yeah. Like, no, I like I don't know. It's just it's not it's not quite simple enough of a of a taste in art, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And and like like you were saying, like I just want to resonate what you were saying before that just kind of the appreciation for biology and appreciation yeah. for nature. Cause that's at the root of a lot of it. And that's mm-hmm. that's what comes up for me um and like a lot of what his what for one made me happier made me more curious made me uh feel like i've discovered more truth has been a humility in in the face of nature mm-hmm. and humility in the face of uni- the universe and just kind of the mystery of who we are why does the amoeba split mm-hmm. you know why does why does all does all of these chain reactions in nature happen to get mm-hmm. us here? What are the mysteries of consciousness and all of those things that we obviously talk about on this podcast? But yeah, you know, those are all they're kind of wrapped up and very related to me. But yeah, I agree. It all just comes back to just a humility mm-hmm. at nature and just appreciating the beauty and the complexity of it, and. And it is this paradox at all times because it's so ruthless and 
unforgiving, mm. but there's something beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just embrace like learning about nature and biology and life. I feel like you, you just get more familiar with holding both those ideas in your head at the same time. Yeah. And that's usually a good way to be <clears throat> stanced or uh, like towards life. But, you know, and that's exactly, I feel like what your art represents is, is holding both of these things like death and what's disgusting and what's horrible with like what's beautiful and really respecting and serving or reverent uh, to nature Yeah, in, in some ways. I think it's like the whole process too. I mean, it's, I don't know when I think about it, I'm like, it, it's kind of just like a small representation of who I am as a person, you know, because I mean, I've always been kind of into more darker, you know, people would probably call it like a darker culture. You know, I listen to heavier music. Like I've just always been attracted to like the darker arts. I don't really take conventional routes in life. Like I never really have, you know, um, I've, you know, been somebody who's experienced a lot of like, um, grief and pain in my life. Um, but I also just have always tried to find the hope at the same time and f- like really focus as much as I can on what we still have that's valuable and, appre- and things that I can appreciate. And I think that like in pain, there are still things to appreciate. Like suffering is not, you know, something that has to be a negative experience at the end of at the end of it, you know, I mean, it's, it's challenging, but like we can take what it is and be grateful for the things that we've learned and be grateful for the growth that we've had and Mm -hmm. for the, and for the ways that it's allowed us to connect to others and be grounded. And, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's how I feel about most things in life. You know what I mean? I'm, I am attracted to the things that are not as, you know, like picture perfect or whatever, or Just like simple, lost over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to see like the raw, like I want to have like the raw experiences. I want to know about the really rocky, you know, topics and, um, mm-hmm. and just, yeah, appreciate the whole process in that, you know what I mean? And to just realize that it's, there's more than what people think there is I guess I don't know I feel like that's kind of a maybe a confusing way to say what I'm trying to say but you know what I mean like yeah well it's more of just digging in and embracing the realities of life and its dynamics which mm-hmm. is full of joy and like terror yeah. and pain and and growth and that they come together and leaning into that truth instead of kind of just going through the hardships and, and just trying to bury them away, kind yeah. of like with the body is trying to just hide exactly. hide it for its ugliness, but instead accepting it and integrating it in, really into everything. Mm-hmm. Being and, honest. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I was trying to describe as what's kind of just improved my life and my thinking so much is accepting, you know, just radically accepting all of the hardships and, mm-hmm. and the, the both sides of it that come together. And not trying to avoid it. And, and really just understanding that majority of the suffering is internal. Mm-hmm. It's like in your head and in the framing of how you set the situation. Mm-hmm. And like, 
practicing those that type of thinking and practicing that framing you know i've i've got to to experience moments of kind of like really deep emotional pain Mm -hmm. and (laughs) physical pain a few times uh and and really got to see the effects of it in the moment see where it's like oh wow i'm actually i'm i'm primed i'm in a different stance now to Mm -hmm. where I'm not suffering as much from this or I'm able to deal with this with much more control and sovereignty. And it's just, you know, obviously we're getting philosophical, but it is philosophical. It it is. Yeah. Inevitably intertwined with, with, yeah, philosophy, you know, art, science, all these things are kind of intertwined with what you're doing. And yeah, you know, that's why it's so interesting. It's natural history. Like that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, I'm trying to get people just to realize that taxidermy, animal preservation, like human preservation, all of those things, like it's natural history, you know, it's like something that's been done Mm -hmm. for, I mean, hundreds of years, um, if not more, you know, and it's, that's what you see in museums. Like we go to museums and that's exactly what you see is like taxidermy and just like artifacts that are from things that were living at one time, you know? Mm -hmm. Even before COVID, I hadn't mm-hmm. been to one in like years. I want to go to the yeah. Sam Noble. Sam Noble. Isn't that a Norman? Is that the dinosaur one? Or they have like it's a dinosaur like, exhibit there? Yeah, it's the Natural History Museum. Oh, I, I yeah. think that's what it is. That'd be fun to go to. I've been to the one in Chicago. The, like, does it, does anyone like, have any wet preserved dinos? <laughs> Sorry, no. that's a dumb question. Let me check on that. <laughs> they don't, but <laughs> would be cool. I'm sure they got baby gators, but... Yeah, yeah, they do. Be good gators. enough, baby gator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I'd want to see like deep sea fish, like ocean. Oh, yeah. Like fucking swordfish. Or... Yeah. Yeah. People do like jellyfish, That's which cool. I think would be really cool to have. Yeah. But they kind of just look like a loogie in a jar. <laughs> okay, you know a ship in a jar. Can I get a shark in a jar? <laughs> yeah, you can. You People know? do sharks for. That's like one of the first. You guys don't remember seeing like. Those sharks in a jar Mm-mm. at gift shops? Nope. No? No. You guys ever went to SeaWorld? I feel like I would have remembered seeing that. Like those yeah. little tiny vials? I feel like that's like the first wet specimen I ever saw. But like I didn't. baby uh, sharks? Like little baby sharks? Yeah. Damn, I guess. Really? I guess my idea was a super basic one then. Every redneck at a <laughs> I mean, truck stop wants one. <laughs> shit. Yeah. I thought you said taste. a shit in a jar at first. <laughs> shit in a jar? Like a formaldehyde oh my God. lump of shit. Honestly, if you get a good <laughs> enough looking one i mean <laughs> put uh, a date on it <laughs> david david who we're gonna have on next week he he pooped a tooth turd one time a tooth yeah it looked just like the tooth sentinel logo and, oh it, and he took a picture of it and sent Holy it to me shit. i wish we could have kept that and oh preserved yeah, it. yeah. Uh, we was, we should have sold it as merch that's what I'd <laughs> yeah <laughs> for like six hundred dollars you should have <laughs> tooth dookie that'd be the first a tookie <laughs> a tukey. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Hashtag um, tukey. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Michaela, I'm on. I'm on your pages right now. Yeah. You've got. Uh, so on Etsy, your beloved bones looks like just one, no space, 
And then Instagram, beloved bones, underscore, underscore. Two underscores. Uh, <laughs> two underscores. But a lot of cool stuff here. I mean, there's uh, on your Etsy, we've got hella bolo ties, yeah, mostly which we haven't talked now. about. Yeah. And then your Instagram is all sorts of stuff. Some of the stuff that... So you're like collecting antiques, Victorian and religious-esque antiques, mm -hmm. along with taxidermy and some, some of the stuff we've talked about. I see like antique mirror... Mm -hmm. A lot of rosaries, right? Yeah. 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 Picture frames. Last rites, crucifix. Some art, religious art and stuff like that. So a lot of a lot of stuff that's kind of encompassing that necromancer, I guess, probably <laughs> vibe we were talking about. Uh but like, yeah, these these bolo ties, you make some I mean, definitely the coolest bolo ties I I've ever seen. Thanks. I mean, how often do you get to see yeah, cool bolo true. ties? Most Thanks. of them are really old. Too. I mean, well, yeah. back in the day when I'd see them, they're becoming a little more popular now. Yeah, but it's like, picking up again. Yeah, they've always been super old, so it's cool to see ones that are brand spanking new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to show up to a few weddings with this black scorpion oh, yeah. bellow tie you let me borrow, and people thought I was really badass. So. I actually didn't make that <laughs> one, uh, to be honest. Oh, really? Though. No, I didn't, but... Um, I did make yours are cool. Yours are cooler than that one. Honestly. I've made I made one for Ruben for his wedding. Actually, though, he had me make him a custom one, and it was really special because Tyler actually gave he like donated a scorpion that he had in his collection because oh, yeah. Tyler yeah. just like collects bugs mm -hmm. and, and his kids collect them and stuff, and it's mm -hmm. really cool. Um, so it was super sweet because you know they're good friends, and I I appreciate and um, really love and value and respect both you know, Tyler and Ruben. So it felt mm -hmm. really special. And then yeah. it was because Ruben's mom is a Scorpio oh, that he okay. wanted to get a scorpion mm. for like for his wedding. So that's, it was, that's yeah, cool. it was cool. really special. I loved it. It's like my favorite one to do. I think probably. That's, cool. that's great. These are cool though. You've got rat skulls in here. Bat, Bat skulls. skulls. <laughs> I got my letters mixed up. I think I did do a rat or I did a, I did a rat one for Preston uh, Pettigrew actually. And he wanted me to like, intentionally make it you know look more punk is mm -hmm. always how i describe preston for the most part you know he just wants everything to look a little more worn down so i like busted out <laughs> the orbital bone or whatever um i'm actually about to start making some with like butterfly wings and moth wings and preserved hearts oh that's cool. um, wow yeah i think those would be cool i'm excited about that <laughs> that sounds really neat and i also am about to do a collaboration with um this girl named Brittany who has um, her own like metalwork. She does like everything herself. Um, she makes jewelry, just beautiful jewelry. Cool. Um, and she like does like chains around the border and she uses a lot of turquoise, mm. just like natural stones. Um, Chris actually connected me with her oh. and um, it turns out she actually already knew who I was and was following mm. me, which was really felt kind of crazy whenever yeah. I'm like, you're an amazing artist. Like yeah, yeah. her stuff is like, I mean, super nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're going to do a collaboration together and I really want to do some rings because mm. she makes really awesome rings. Um, and I think it'd be cool to put like some tiny hearts mm -hmm. and wow. um, 
I don't know. I haven't, I haven't quite figured out what else I want to put in them, but I think maybe doing like some, a little mouse paw. Yeah, that's what I was like. Maybe something, but I'm like trying an to think eyeball. like, do you guys, <laughs> I know I was like an eyeball. I thought about that too, but I'm like, do people actually, cause I, for me, like I want stuff to stay kind of classy, mm. you know, that's, I had a little bit of a hard time getting into like the rat taxidermy for that reason. Cause I yeah. feel a little goofy about it, mm-hmm. but it's like people <laughs> love that shit. So yeah. whatever, you know, and it's, it is fun and I like doing it. And mm. so I kind of, you know, gave in there, but I'm like, do people like, I mean, I know somebody will, but whenever you, if you were to see like a ring with like, a, like preserved hearts and like paws, mm-hmm. would you think that that looks like, like you could wear that to a formal dinner I or would. would you wear that to like, I don't know. A show or something. Yeah. Like a punk fest or like, I mean, I would wear it to a, a classy rave. event but i also okay. mm-hmm. i also i think underdress a lot so like i mean i'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i would wear it to any classy event in okay. fact yeah. i want to get yeah. one so cool so like if i have any fancy work dinners i can wear it It would yes. be a talking point for sure someone it would is. be like that's a really interesting ring like that's probably what you would get most of the time but i mean yeah. it would strike up a conversation yeah so, yeah I guess that's kind of what matters, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, how did you... So, like, you're making all this... You got taxidermy, embalming, wet specimens, and then these bolo ties mm-hmm. with specimens inside of these. Like, how long... Like, when did you start practicing anything, like, the most primitive version of this craft? Like, when was it? What okay. was it? And just a little bit, step us through the journey. Like, kind of glaze over it. Yeah. Because you're at a pretty advanced level and it's almost if I have hadn't been paying attention like I have been to your stuff, I would be like, "Whoa, it would almost have snuck up on me because it seems like it's happened fast." Obviously, I know it's it's not been fast yeah. from your perspective, but when did it start? Yeah. Um so it was <laughs> let me think. Uh I think it was about 7 years ago six or seven years now. Um, I was, I think I was 19 or 20. Um, and I basically just started picking up roadkill and that's where it started. (laughs) Like literally that's where it started. Um, I mean, I think I'd like collected some bones here and there that I maybe just like found around. Um, but I, I was like when I started actually learning that this was a, this was a culture, there was a community of people who actually did this and some of them did it full time. Um, and I really just started following those people and reading their blogs and like just going through their social media accounts and, um, looking at their websites. And then that, that kind of just made me really feel, um, more interested in, in giving it a go because I just thought it was super cool. Um, and so, yeah, I started picking up dead animals and taking them to my parents' house and dissecting them in the backyard and like burying them on the side of the house. And like their neighbors (laughs) would send them emails and be like, there's some, your daughter is doing something really weird on the side of the house. Can you please come? thought you were like one of those serial killer kids that like kills cats. My parents did too, though. Like my parents, which my parents. You kind of fit the profile. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Or I'm sure you did when you were that age. Whatever. <laughs> or wait. Uh, that was not even that long ago. Like you've known me since I don't know. Like, whatever yeah. gets me out of this. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, no, my parents like always just because they're so, I don't know, they're pretty reserved and stuff. I think when I was younger, they were pretty concerned about some things, but um, just misunderstood um, with a Z, you know. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. So I, but I don't know, eventually what happened is I took my mom to the Museum of Osteology or we, we went together Mm. and she was like, okay, she got it. She got it. Mm. Yeah. She was like, this is biology. Mm. This is science. You know, like this is, yeah. That's what you always You're looking like that's what you want (laughs) them to think. No, (laughs) no, it's, that's, no, that's, that's just what you tell your parents like all the time. It's science. That was me with pot pot in high school. Mom, it's science. (laughs) It's botany. It's an experiment. (laughs) No, but it really is though. It is science. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Just like video games, like mom, it's technology. Come on. I'm learning. (laughs) I'm learning about, you know, like war tactics Mm -hmm. in a video game. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm connecting, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm connecting with people across the world, Mom. Right, sorry, go ahead. No, it's cool. No, yeah. So kind of started there. And um, at the time, I was hanging out with Irvin a lot. And I'm sure you guys remember Irvin. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was like the real homie and would do a lot of the stuff with me. And like, I picked up a, a full coyote and a full beaver like within the same week, I think, or the same day. I'm not really sure, but he let me put it, put them out on his family's land in Arcadia. And that was like when I was just did not know what I was doing. And so I literally just put the full carcass of both of these animals in tubs of water. And I left them in this like shed thing for two years and then we went back two years later and got them and drove (laughs) Uh, uh, this is like have you seen breaking bad (laughs) yeah okay is this is this how that ends (laughs) but maybe less not through the ceiling oh wait hold on okay no just continue with the story Never mind. never mind I'm thinking about when they melt that dude's body with acid, oh, but God. they do it in the bath. <laughs> oh, that was honestly; those are t- they're two separate kinds of feelings, but also kind of similar. Mm. I just have never seen maggots that size before, <laughs> and, and that amount like it literally makes me feel like I'm gonna like start crying. Like I'm gonna, I'm my eyes are watering up because I'm like it's intense, and it was yeah. like it it definitely kick-started this actual kind of small maggot phobia honestly mm-hmm. i hate them yeah i hate i don't think anyone likes them, them. <laughs> it's crazy though i hate them and i work with like i have to be exposed to them and i choose to be exposed to them still but i hate them they Damn. freak me out and there was i mean literally like there was thousands of them thousands Ugh. and that shit spilt in my car Ugh. yeah it's still in there i'm not gonna lie like it wouldn't cut co- like not a lot but there's like little drops of just like macerated coyote and beaver in my car <laughs> it's yeah so we literally we were driving from arcadia so like far out edmund you know all the way to valley brook south side mm. with these two animals 
And we just had all the windows it? down. Did you crack the windows? Oh, all yeah. the windows were down. <laughs> we had masks on, and I was driving like eighty-five the entire time. And so that's why, like, the water was like sloshing around. Yeah, you know? but you were just like, keep the airflow. Going, yeah, please. I was like, just, fu- oh. and we were just yelling, like, we were just, you know, in mm. it because it was horrible. And then when we like got there and we opened the lid, I was like, holy shit! Like, I why? <laughs> Um, and so we just ended up dumping the both the tubs out in my backyard and oh, um, God, <laughs> it was so bad Ooh. it was so bad and like even though the the beaver had been in there for two years the stomach was still completely like intact, intact because wow. they're they're so tough like their bodies are just so wow. tough but poor Irvin I was like if you dispose of the rest of this stuff I will give you parts of the bones and I'll make you stuff and he literally like I'll never forget the sight of him just like carrying this big ass tub oh. of maceration maggot nastiness and like uh to this like ditch <laughs> in the um little what is it called we lived in a I don't know it was cul-de-sac just like yeah something. cul-de-sac uh, there's like a ditch on the other side and he was just like waddling his way, like trying not to spill it. And he like <laughs> dumped it out. He's a good friend, honestly, a real one. Wow. So pretty humble beginnings, <sighs> humble, <laughs> honest, rough, rough. Yeah. Nasty beginnings. But yeah. Stinky. And then like, you know, my parents had like rabbits mm-hmm. and they also had dogs. And so <sighs> they just kept killing the rabbits, which, mm. I was not happy about, but they eventually started, you know, offering me like, do you want the rabbit? Mm-hmm. Cause we're going to throw it away otherwise, you know? Um, and like I said, like I, yeah, just, Oh and, yeah. And I think that that's actually when I, when my parents started offering me rabbits is when I started actually trying to like skin them because I learned like you're supposed to remove as much of the tissue as you can yeah, before so you actually rot or anything. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just like, you have to dig through piles of macerated tissue yeah. to get the bones out. And if the that's, tissue's connected to the fur, and then the fur gets everywhere. And, and it's organs, and it's yeah. stomach bile, and it's food, and it's t- yeah. teeth, and it's nails. Like, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's just disgusting. It's a mess. So I yeah, started skinning the rabbits in my parents' backyard, and um, it's one of the first like animals that I fully processed, I would say correctly Mm -hmm. you know um but yeah and then I just like kept following people who had more experience than me and I kept asking questions Uh and just when I first like that long ago there was not nearly the amount of resources there are now though I mean Mm -hmm. I was like searching the web for hours and hours and hours and not even knowing what to look for like not even knowing what questions to ask but just trying to find out like how do I properly clean a skull from an animal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, cause there's also a lot of methods that people use that are really sworn against too, you know, like boiling and like using real bleach, but you have to sanitize it. And most of the time you want it to be whitened because animals are greasy. And so, um, yeah, I kind of, a lot of it was just trial and error. And that's why I feel like it's taken me so long, like seven years to get to where I am now because I didn't have anybody to show me how to do this stuff. I didn't know anybody else that was doing it in the first place or like not personally. Um, And uh, yeah, but what changed everything for me, I think is finding all the Facebook groups like Mm. that really that. And then like discovering that there's an oddities and curiosities expo 
based out of my own, you know, my home state, which is, I'm just really grateful and lucky. Yeah. Um, cause I was thinking like, man, I'm going to have to go to college and like get a biology degree to ever be able to do anything in this realm. Like I'm never going to be able to get a job anywhere. Yeah. I'll have to go like work at a museum. Like I've literally applied for the museum of osteology. I've taken them my resume and my portfolio, I think five or six times now. Wow. They still won't hire me. Dang. Um, but it's because I don't have any kind of degree really. Yeah. Or like, quote unquote experience or right. whatever. They like, might whatever that means in the professional yeah. world or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Cred- credentials. Yeah. Exactly. So um but yeah, no, the Facebook groups literally they changed everything because that's where I buy most of my products from, my materials. That's, that's cool. where I take, you know, inspiration. That's how I get um like notified about events. That's how I you know, just connect with other people that are really mm-hmm. pursuing the same dream that I am and are doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. That's who I, that's how I got connected with the guy that I, um, get all of my skulls from now. Um, yeah. And our taxidermy actually, when we buy taxidermy, that's already done. But mm-hmm. so it's been a lot, it's been a long journey, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and I've almost like wanted to let go of it a lot, but Mm. I just can't like, it's the one thing that I feel like I've really pursued that feels so right and worth all of the, the exhaustion and and disgust Mm. and nastiness and, and trial and error. (laughs) Yeah. Well, your story, uh, you know, just hearing it, so many things that we've talked about on this podcast come up and so many similar themes. Um, that, you know, we don't have to necessarily go over again, but I just, I always really appreciate, uh, you know, genuinely people, when people genuinely follow their interests and their passions and especially from the beginning, like you're describing this, this gross rough beginning Mm -hmm. where you can't find any information, what you're doing is absolutely crazy. And in that beginning period to think that could this, this could ever become something that benefits me in my adult life like that would be a ridiculous thought but then if you because you kept on leaning into it and just kind of figured out that oh I actually want to get better at this Mm -hmm. I want to make these types of things and I'm curious and passionate about it and just going over iterations again and again projects again and again and like it's it's so cool to see that and especially the fact that you're saying like you didn't know anyone Mm -hmm. It, um, so you're kind of jumping out of your own world because you have no connections to this mm-hmm. whole world, but you become interested in it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, somehow with no connections, I need to go from here into that. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was very much how I felt like at the start, like trying to get into tech was because I didn't know anyone. And uh, and kind of leaning into the internet is, is what helped me a lot as mm-hmm. well. But like now you're at this point to where you're trying to basically take this i mean you have a you have a store that you kind of set up set up at these one once per month expos or something like that mm-hmm. pop up shops so you do that you've got this etsy store but on etsy you're mostly posting these bolo ties mm-hmm. and then you're kind of i'm guessing you're kind of doing deals in the dms all the time with people with some yeah. of the stuff you got on your instagram so it's a little bit it's a, your stuff is a little bit scattered now but you're basically at the early stages of where you're trying to start up like a small business or make yeah. this a sustainable like full-time gig. And so 
you know, kind of what, it, what does that look like for you? And have you been kind of working towards this or dreaming of it or planning on it for a long time? Yeah. Um, well, so we did actually get a booth, like a full-time booth now too. So the place that we, oh, cool. room three where we do um, the pop-ups once a month, um, we, have a full, we have a booth inside full-time as well. Um, the dream has, so I, for many years of my life, like since I was a young kid and started getting into the music culture, um, or I guess I was like a preteen or whatever. Um, I've always wanted to open a music venue. Like that was one of my, num- that was one of my number one dreams. And so what I kind of decided, I think, I don't know, a few years ago, probably like five years ago or something was that I really wanted to open up like an oddity shop and a venue. And so that's, that's what I'm working on now. Um, but for the time being, or that's what I'm working towards, I guess I should say. Um, I think it'll be somewhere between a year to two years though, realistically in, in mm-hmm. which that'll actually happen. Like I'll have my own, my own building that I can have shows at and do the shop. Um, but yeah, right now we are, um, inside of room three vintage, we have a booth in there and the owners, they actually like reached out to me whenever we did the pop, our first pop-up show and they wanted us to, to be a full-time booth there, which was felt kind of crazy, you yeah, know, because show. yeah, I mean, and we did so good too. Like I was shocked. Like I was so, I was just not expecting it. I mean, I mean, I feel like we were really prepared. Um, and Vincent's, I mean, been just so great through this whole experience and has been super supportive and, I'm really lucky to have his support and all of his help with everything. Mm. And, um, yeah. So yeah, we just kind of, because the first pop-up went so well, I was just like, you know, I think we really do need to go ahead and, and get the booth and, um, that it's going to work. And like I said, like the guys at room three, they want to curate more of that kind of realm in their mm. shop anyways, because they're individually into that stuff, mm. but there's not much of it in Oklahoma. Like there's virtually none. I'm There's just few people who have this exact expertise. I don't know anybody in Oklahoma City. Other, well, that's not true. I do actually, I think Macy like knows how to do, uh, I know she knows how to do some taxidermy and I think some other things like that. Mm. Um, Oh, and there, there is a girl who has a company called uh, Amelia's Anomalies who does kind of oddity stuff. Mm. I know there are people around, mm. but it's like, I mean, nobody, ha- there isn't like an oddity shop. Right. There's like Craig's yeah. Emporium, but like, like I was saying hardly, earlier. Hardly. Yeah, yeah it's like crystals <laughs> and like, it's literally he buys stuff off like Amazon in bulk and yeah. like, it's just. Resell, yeah. Exactly. Like he's just trying to basically have like a, I don't know. I don't want to talk smack, Mm -hmm. but whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's a little different, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so they, yeah, they're, they really see the vision and they really encourage it a lot. And I, I'm really going to try to keep building off my connections with them and my relationship with them. Cause I also really like them. Um, I feel good about the people that they are and I just appreciate their encouragement and so I think 
Oh, so they're going to start actually letting me teach taxidermy classes. That's kind of like one of the next steps for me is this summer I'm going to start teaching rat taxidermy classes cool. at room three. So they're going to let me do it there and it's going to, I won't have to give them any percentage of my profits. I won't have to pay for it. Like they're wow. just going to let me do it at their space That's and awesome. they're going to help me promote it. Like I went in there to talk to him about it and just ask what he thought about it. Um, John, his name is John is one of the owners I was talking to. And, um, he was like, yes, <laughs> like absolutely do that here. Like no questions asked. What do you need? How much space do you need? You know? And then when we were like, I was still there, he just started telling everybody that <laughs> I was going to start teaching classes, taxidermy classes there. And I just love their like, no shame. Like, do we don't care if you're uncomfortable, like if this makes you uncomfortable because we understand that she's doing this, with like the with a, the right intention right. you know like i'm not just yeah. trying to like freak people out or like it's yeah. not even to be morbid you know either um but yeah so teaching classes is next on my list um and i really think that i'm about to the goal is to transition out of working my full-time corporate job mm -hmm. into doing beloved bones part-time um within the next three months and so that'll, for me, that'll look like selling through the booth, but also selling through my Instagram and also maybe selling through my own website, which I need to get set up. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get you going with something. Yeah. Like if, if we can't get a Squarespace or something, I could, I yeah. could build you a weekend website type of deal, but I'd love that. Yeah. You're, you're kind of just gonna have to ramp everything up, mm -hmm. but no, I think there's, I think that like your stuff has a quality, like a very high quality, but it's also a specific aesthetic mm -hmm. that is hard to find. And so we were kind of talking about this earlier. Like, I think there's a huge market for this stuff, but it's not quite mature yet. Yeah. Like a lot of the people are still young or they're not buying more boutique or craftsman items, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. But you know, like you, the, you can't find this stuff really anywhere mm -hmm. almost unless you're in a city that happens to have like a oddities shop and an oddities community that contributes the products to those shops. Mm -hmm. Cause like basically the products, they come from, from craftspeople who yeah. are, who are masters or at least very proficient at working at this stuff and has, have seemingly done it for years. Like you have. And yeah, I, that's so cool because it's just, you know, for me, the internet has so many opportunities or it, it's yeah. opened up so many new avenues for opportunities for people, you know, especially in the art world or just in the cracks in the in-between yep. spaces. And so hearing about stuff that like you're doing and, and following your stuff, it's just so encouraging and it just makes my imagination go because yeah. it makes me think like wow what what could i do what could i contribute or what what's going to be out there what kind of people are going to be unlocked or are going to have their art be discovered and be able to work on it full time because of just the diversification of you know of, of products and art that exists online um yeah so and that is like where I think it, that's the main market for it is people buy these products online and mm -hmm. so that's kind of 
mm-hmm. something I really have to like, I'm thinking about through. more and more because yeah. it's, I need to get familiar with shipping and stores. I'm sure can be annoying to manage like online stores. I can't imagine yeah. what that'd be like. It's just a lot of time. Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah. Time and uh, time versus like the money of yeah. running a yeah. physical store. But there's also a lot of legality things that I have to think about too, which is kind of something not everybody thinks about, but like, working with dead animals like there's a lot of uh laws that go into place and every state has its Mm. own regulations Mm -hmm. and like i mean we have like federally you know protected animals that we have to be we have to know the law Mm -hmm. um and also then shipping laws like we can't ship liquids so whenever i ship what specimens i have to ship them without the liquid and like it's just it is a lot to think about but people Mm. do it you know and they do it really well and people I mean, people do this stuff full time. Like, it's kind of crazy, but it's not in Oklahoma that much. But it actually kind of is because mm-hmm. of the Tulsa area more than anything. Yeah. I'm sure the wildlife, like, crowd has a hand in it, too. Like, in some way, taxidermying and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, the, I guess I mean by, like... You like mean, like, hunter, the hunters? Hunters and, yeah, fishermen, just wildlife, whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is really, like, a big mixture of all different types of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, some people are really just in, into it because it's dark and it's grim. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of what I was thinking about um, earlier is, like, there's also a lot of collectors who collect human remains. Mm. And it, that's something I'm seeing more and more. And it's some of That'd it is... Cool. Yeah, some of it's kind of scary sometimes. Like when I, I see like these posts come by and it's like, I don't know, just teetering like, is this legal? Yeah. Like, but yeah. in some places it's not, but some places it is. It's also like whenever you're on the internet, it's not even just exclusive to like your country. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. I think mine are mostly Amer- like US based and a little surrounding, but they're, it's not solely, you know? Um, but yeah, it's definitely the internet. Like, I don't know. I don't think that I would be successful, be able to be successful in this industry without mm-hmm. it, to be honest, which is kind of something that I like was worried about because I really didn't want to have to rely on like social media and mm-hmm. um, the making those like connections and stuff. Cause it's just yeah. something I really don't, initially like marketing and like doing that kind of stuff gave me so much anxiety and that's what that's what me and josh have (laughs) are always are always complaining about this seems like a necessary part of engaging with nearly anything yeah Mm -hmm. and and growing uh yeah Yeah. it's hard and it's not natural to a lot of people and a lot of people just don't really want to do it Or, or it's like if you're a creator uh you're you want to create you don't want to be a talker you don't want to be a, a storyteller necessarily mm-hmm. um mm-hmm, but exactly. that's what you have to become yeah that's absolutely how i feel i just want to work with my hands and like do the hands-on work and mm-hmm. yeah just hire somebody to do everything else but at the same time i am i'm grateful that i've been able to see like that now I can look at social media and just like the internet and have at least this extremely positive side of it. Um, that's, you know, shown me that while there is this anxiety that I have to kind of get over and this strategy that is inevitable that I have to, you know, 
I have to kind of conform in a way because mm-hmm. that is how the world works these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and in return, it actually is getting me t- closer to my the like the bigger picture and my overall goal. So it's like it's sacrifice, but it's definitely been I think it's been worth it for sure. And it's helped me just kind of push myself to get over other anxieties outside of that, too, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think once you just you just got to start doing it, you know, and look at how other people do it and mm-hmm. just try to, like, replicate it with your own style and stuff. You know, I think that's yeah, totally. that's really helped you're, me. So. You're, you're good at it, though, honestly, Thanks. like you've done yeah, sure. you've done great about <laughs> about just like genuinely marketing yourself and not selling yourself short uh, with you. the stuff that you're making, but also without I don't know, like whatever we're afraid of without being cringe or without just becoming a, a marketer basically. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's cool. I would love to talk about that when we have you on again yeah. for the episode. It's like the whole marketing aspect and like engaging with other people with your art, especially yours. Cause it's so, uh, mm-hmm. I guess controversial, like we were saying, yep. or can be, I'm sure you've met characters too through it. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, like for all different types. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. Every type of person I feel like. <laughs> no, totally. I, Maybe maybe you can connect us to some weirdos. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, let me know what you're looking for. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, yeah, anyone, anyone who's hella weird. Maybe not anyone. But yeah, maybe not close anyone. to anyone. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. What, um, I definitely, yeah, have some interesting people. Cool. Good and yeah, yeah we're good ba- and interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess is the, all, the alternative. <laughs> I'll leave it at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're basically at my hard cap. We're at the st- stop. So. Sorry about that, but what? Uh, we're at to stop recording. <laughs> okay. So, but it's been a good hour and some some yeah. change, yeah. Probably, but we're gonna have you on again soon, cool. not too long, mm-hmm. and we'll get into all this other stuff again. Because honestly, we could probably sit here and talk for yeah, like three I, to five hours. I can just mm-hmm. ramble forever about a lot. Yeah, but that's cool. It's it's been fun. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, Michaela. yeah, coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye bye. Yeah.